And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. No men's game for City this weekend, which has given us the opportunity to do something a little bit left field for this week's Why Always Us. This is your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney. With me is Sam Lee. Hiya, Sam. Hello. How are you doing? You've uh, you've had your, you've had a week's recovery since last time. You feeling better? Yeah, yeah, feeling better. Still can't type, so basically not not working as much as I normally do. But yeah, got a couple of things in the pipeline that will hopefully um, transpire into reality and should be exciting for everyone. But yeah. We'll, we'll see how that goes over the next week or so. Good, good, good to good to time your time off with uh, the international break when there's uh, w- w- when we do things that are a little bit daft on the podcast as well, I guess. Uh, yeah, I suppose uh, it's never a problem doing these podcasts anyway. Like the and the only reason I can't properly work is that I, I physically can't type. So yeah, these aren't a problem. Um, and this one's uh, yeah, it might be might be quite daft. We've got a good list to get through, haven't we? Could be, could be interesting, uh, but we'll get to that shortly because if you sign up to The Athletic right now, you can read all of Sam's stuff when he's back on City. And uh, if you sign up now, you'll get 33% off the price of a full subscription. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man City pod. Um, now, as we teased on the end of last week's show, uh, we're, we're going to talk about some unpopular City opinions today. Um, and what, what we mean by that, Sam, to start off with, we don't mean just any old random rubbish that people have come up with because they want to get themselves featured on the show. I see you. Don't don't think I don't see you. I know what you're doing, some of you. Um no, we want we want the genuine heartfelt opinions that you just you find yourself stood on your own thinking this, everybody thinks the opposite, and you go, I can't see why. Um I, I'm tempted to get into the the audience ones uh, in a second, Sam, and, and kind of dive in with ours because you because you teased me last week and and you've not told me what it is, what yours, what your big one is. Um, I so must I'm, have mentioned it at some point. So I'm interested to know what 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 it is. Well, first, yeah, I mean, first of all, it's. I think I said this when we when we talked about it before. It's difficult in my position doing this because if I admit to like not liking a certain player or a way they do something or or whatever. I can imagine that if ever I write an article that's not about how great they are in future, someone would be like, "Oh, he doesn't like this guy," um, and I just can't be can't be doing with that because it's it's yeah, it's just difficult and, and annoying. But that said, the way Ruben Diaz carries on really does annoy me. How do you mean? <laughs> that's my big one. Oh, have you ever heard him give an interview? And the way he talks, and the way he talks about like hard work and sacrifice and stuff. Fucking hell! Uh, it's like LinkedIn could talk. <laughs> I've never, uh, I've never noticed this. Is this really? are, are we talking? Are we talking along the lines of uh, what's what's that phrase? Um, uh, hard work beats talent if talent doesn't work hard. That sort of thing. Yeah, it's all that kind of thing. And like, so the thing is, and I know this, this is probably just me being irrational, but like, the thing is about like hard, no nonsense, nonsense centre backs is they just get on with it and they just do it, and it's just how they are. They don't talk about it all the time. Like all the Italian defenders, like Company, Terry, Vidic, Adams, Campbell, whatever. I swear they didn't go around talking about how no nonsense and how determined they are. They just, it was just, it's just the way they were. I know this is how Diaz is because Diaz has always been very vocal. He's always shouted at people whenever I've spoke to people at Benfica. You know, he's always been like that. But the interviews he gave, and I, it was mainly around the Champions League final. I'm sure there was some at the start of the season. It's just like, God, this guy. It's just, it's just just one track constantly. And it was just, it's just really annoying. Like we know, mate, we get it. And then I mean, look, I was impressed by it, but the, the, the wearing the captain's armband while taking, while having taken your top off is, I think feeds into it. Now I, I was at Stamford bridge when I first saw him do this and I nudged the lad next to me and I went, bloody hell, he's in good shape. But also the captain's armband, it, it, it's all part of what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I think the line that sums it up best, so you did an interview with Jack and it was something like, if I'm not going to defend, then who is? And it's like, fuck, 
<laughs> yeah, that was a one-off fine but it's every time he gives an, an interview and it's just like oh, come on mate like if yeah if you're that old-fashioned and no nonsense then you don't don't call about it so much like when phil foden went to england and he had like his gear in a in a plastic city bag and people loved it that's not affected well unless it's some like very clever marketing campaign to make him look like down to earth that's just that's phil foden that's how he is it's just natural it, like, it's not cultivated in any way and i just feel like diaz is trying a bit hard to all right well let, let me let me put it this way okay sam because there is also there is also the possibility here that he just loves defending he just really loves defending. No, that's fine. But so did Company and so did Terry and so did Vidic, but they didn't talk about it all the time. Like, and this is it. Like, I'm not going to say what separates like the great defenders and Diaz is the fact. No, because like he can still be great. You know, he could still be one of the great Premier League centre backs. Like that's not in doubt. And you know, Portugal could win trophies during his time with them and he could be one of the all time great centre backs. So that's I'm not saying he needs to change his approach or whatever to be that. It's just it's just a thing that annoys me. Loads of people love defending. I love defending, but I didn't go on about it. Like, it was just you just you just do it, and I, yeah. But that, he's, that's, he's what, that's what it is. He is really good at it as well, though. So he, I, I mean, know, so so is John Stones. Oh. I mean, so are, yeah, so are all the others I mentioned. Mm. This is that's the thing. Like they they are all really good at it. Yeah, I, just, I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I, I can almost. I, I'll have to pay attention to it to his to his future interviews. Well, they're already do. Well, I'll have a look at the old ones. I have to be honest and not and say I haven't. I haven't paid attention to his interviews. But what I will say is, I am one hundred percent here for any defender that wants to take the shirt off and wear the captain's armband like that as a show of I am going to. I am going to put my body on the line for this football club. I am fine with that, Sam. Hmm. Yeah, I think. I, although that, I feel like if that was somebody else at another club. City fans will take the piss, but that's just that's just football tribalism, isn't it? So that's not really any kind of indication of anything. But if somebody else did, like if if, if Harry if Harry Maguire if Harry Maguire did that, I mean, I, I can I already see John Terry like different. that. Yeah, well, exactly, John Terry. But everyone took the piss out of John Terry for the four kit thing, and you know, and on all that kind of stuff. So yeah, well, I'll give you. Shall I give you? Shall I give you my big one before? Like, um, well, so yeah, but should I, just, should I just add? I'm not. Really, I'm not necessarily saying the should be more like John Terry. <laughs> but you know, in in terms of how he carries himself, and and look, like he is like that. That's what I mean. They they're all like that. And Guardiola's talked about how important that kind of mentality is. And like it is, you know, that was one of the big parts of last season of the turnaround of him changing the standards and all of that. I'm not disputing that. It's just you know we don't have to worry about it every time he gives an interview. And also, can I add? I'd like to interview him. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think uh, we better hope that he doesn't listen to this. If that's the case, Sam, I guess. Uh... <laughs> well, if he was that no nonsense and kind of. Not old fashioned and whatever, then it it'd be able to accept it, wouldn't he? Ah, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, well, I'll give you before we dive into everybody else's. Then I'll give you mine um, uh, because mine's mine's a bit of a historical one. It's not uh, it, it's not particularly current, um, but everyone goes on about uh, the Stuart Pearce era and that oh six oh seven season that was really god awful, um, and I. I, I don't think it was that bad. I think I think it was in a weird way actually strangely interesting and enjoyable that oh six, oh seven, ten goals at home season. Why? Um there's there's something quite fascinating about when a team scores a goal and it's so unexpected. Do you know the, that that kind of adrenaline rush that you got when <laughs> uh, it was like, oh god, yeah. we've scored, we've actually scored a goal. I'll give you an example. Me and my friends were. Um, this is going to sound awful, but we used to break into a, a school to play football on the pitch uh, of a weekend. Nice. Um, and there was one afternoon. City were away at Fulham that season, and uh, we all of us were convinced we were going down that year. Um, and we we. Ignored the game. We'd gone and played football. We got back in the car, uh, switched the radio on. And uh, it must have been the early kickoff because it was on Five Live. Uh, and I remember hearing the commentator say, if you're just joining us now, the score here is Fulham nil, Manchester City 3. And the, 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 the feeling in that car at that moment, Sam, was incredible. It was it was a sense of happiness for the scoreline, but also disbelief at how at how well that afternoon was going. And no matter how good the football gets, you cannot achieve that in the current in the current setup because the expectation is so much higher than where it was at the time. And so you have that combined with 
what I think is actually quite a fascinating era of City's history, where there's that there just wasn't a lot to, to to kind of aim for. They'd had the stadium move. They 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 weren't doing the promotion and relegation every season. They were they were aiming for forty points and getting there and and kind of meandering to the end of the season. There's not a lot interesting, and that in and of itself I found quite fascinating. So. Um, I'm I'm maybe I'm maybe not as um, hard on the Stuart Pearce era as I should be. Yeah, well, I mean, I imagine you've placed that one there on purpose, but I see the top of our list <laughs> in terms of listener contributions. It ties into that, doesn't it? And I think there's, I mean, it's difficult. Another reason for the for me contributing too many is because me doing an unpopular opinion could easily just be. Um, Considered by by City fans as Man United fans slags off things about City. So there's there's also there's almost also that element. You know, I'm not supposed to love City anyway. So if I've got an unpopular opinion, it probably differs to the ones you've got. Whereas yeah. it's like I don't like how Phil Foden does his hair, or you know, or I can't warm to him, or whatever. Um, whereas with me, you just be like, well, you're not supposed to like us. Do you know what I mean? Um, well, let's let, let me read out Ian's because Ian Ian is. I mean, um, I'll, I'll come up with a few as we go through, and I'll, yeah, I mean, I've got another one, but yeah, it's, it's also a, a delicate line to cross. Although that said, the people who listen to this podcast don't think of me in that way. You know, the the people who think that I just hate City and I'm a United fan, they they, they, they listening to us never listened to this podcast <laughs> in their life, and they never will do. And yeah. I'm, I'm very happy with that arrangement. Yeah, uh, well, let's start with Ian then, because Ian got in touch on Twitter to say, uh, I preferred supporting City when we weren't winning everything. The 2001-2002 promotion season under Keegan with Berkovic, Benabia, Pierce, et al. still remains my favourite time supporting City. Wins were fought for and not expected. Um, mm. And when you consider the Aguero moment in 2012, you consider the Centurions in, in 2018, the, um, the, the, the domestic treble winners in 2019, uh, the o one o two promotion season, not even a top flight season, is uh, is Ian's uh, is, is Ian's favourite season. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, what I would say is all wins are fought for now, but at a different standard. But I mean, the overall thing, I I, I think there's a, I, I don't know, I wouldn't say a lot, a decent amount, a fair few, whatever. But I know there are City fans who kind of feel the same, and I think. It's not the majority, I wouldn't have thought. Um, but I suppose it comes down to what you like as a person. You know, if, if you're, if you, because it's, it's effort and it's supporting City at the moment. Into, well, it can be. Um, I suppose it depends on how active you are online, really, and how bothered you are by what's said. Because I know a lot of people just think, you know, there's an agenda against City and all this kind of stuff and the media reaction and the fans and it's a fucking full-time job. I tell you, it, ru- Twitter, it ruins... Fan, but yeah. 20 years ago, obviously, there wasn't any. But if, like, if City were... If City were as they were 20 years ago now with social media and stuff, it would be much easier, wouldn't it? Because you, you could go to the game. You don't have you don't have to worry that if they lose, there's going to be, you know, five live are going to talk about City. Whereas if they win, they, you won't hear anything. And... All you're going to hear for the next few days is what's going on with Pep, but it's so you know what's Sterling's future. You know what I mean? So I I, I can get it from that point of view, but I don't know, maybe there's also just the maybe the, probably nostalgia comes into it as well. I guess. Yeah, things things. Uh, I I also wonder if if things look better in the past when times were bad, when you know it all works out all right in the end. Yeah. If City, but yeah, yeah, very much so. If, if City, City would, yeah, now, nobody would be pining for it, would they? If if City were where Sunderland are, and you know, fighting that their their glory days of the Premier League were behind them, and they were fighting in the third tier consistently every season, I I wonder I wonder if we would look on that promotion season um, in in a much greater light than maybe many do already. Anyway, it's uh, it's an interesting yeah. one. I, I, on that note, um, let's let's have this from Parker Kemplin because. Um, I, I don't know how I feel about this one. Uh, this Pelle- yeah, Pellegrini, greater than Mancini. Uh, on that note, I take Tevez's side versus Mancini. Wish City had kept him. Pellegrini, greater yeah. than Mancini. I, I'm, mm, that is, that honestly, when I saw that come in, that was middle wicket taken, taken there. That was a proper bolding moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, I've always, you know, I've, I've always found it fascinating Um and I understand it. I understand why City fans love Mancini so much. But I always find it fascinating the kind of well, just the difference between the fans' opinions of him and kind of the former players and the feeling within the club and like 
I, I always remember it being said, you know, Mancini should have stayed, should have never got rid of Pellegrini and that kind of thing. But it was like, but all these players who have now got statues and like all the other ones who haven't, but like Yaya and Joe Hart and, and Zabaleta, I think, they, you know, they, they wouldn't have stuck around for much longer. They yeah. wouldn't have had statues because Mancini has fallen out with all of them. And I mean, I've talked about this in the past and I, I did an article during the Euros in the summer when obviously Mancini had got... Um, Italy to the to the final one. I just I've just laughed there. I'll come back to that in a second. <laughs> um, but I, I I know loads of City fans love him, and I've always I've always been like, well, you know, it, it it wasn't all roses. But also at the same time, I don't think I can say I thought Pellegrini was better. Like I do, I obviously appreciate what he did, and you know, to to plant that flag and to put City where they were, I know why the fans loved him, and also like he was very good. Um, were you covered? He play the same type of football as Pep now? No. But, you covered City under Pellegrini. You didn't cover City under Mancini. Yeah, for a season. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, like Pellegrini, I don't know if I view him too harshly because I, I look at, I look at his time of City, and I, I struggle, I struggle to call it a success because with the with the resources that City had and the resources that were available to him, he won a Premier League title in his first season. Great, fantastic achievement. He won the League Cup alongside it. That was City's first. I think that was City's first ever League and Cup double, uh, domestically at least. Um, after that, he won one League Cup in two seasons with what was available to him. And in all honesty, never really mounted a serious title challenge in the in, in the two seasons that were left. When Guardiola arrived, you remember that first season with uh, with Guardiola, where like he 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 looked at that squad and went, "Well, this this squad needs." 15 new players to it yeah it was not in good shape he i don't feel like okay okay pellegrini inherited a a broken dressing room and he fixed it in a sense of that first season they played some great football and they won the league they also won the league bizarrely having lost twice to chelsea who also beat second place liverpool home and away so like there's there's caveats there where chelsea will look at that season and think how on earth did we not win that that title um, he won it with fewer points than Mancini did. It was it, it was it was all kind of built around that. Okay, he won he won the double with it, but season two and season three, there was a point in season three where I remember that Leicester game at the Etihad, um, where I I remember I was I was ill on the morning of the game and I looked at it and went, I know exactly what he's going to do today. He's going to play four four two. He's going to let Mares and Vardy run straight through the middle, and Leicester are going to walk away with a 3-1 win. And that's, that about is, ex- yeah, uh, um, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> no, I know, yeah. I know. But that, 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 that was exactly what happened. But yeah, I yeah. remember that game. Well, that, that final Pellegrini season, uh, the only thing I'd mention on top of what you've said is, we don't know how it would have gone if, 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 if the Guardiola thing wasn't a thing. Um, but yeah, it, it drifted so far, hadn't it? Like they just... He should I, like, they weren't if, at it at all. I think it, it was summed up by when he when that final home game was it two two draw against Arsenal. Yeah, and, he, and everyone just left before he did. Well, not everyone. A lot of people left before he he said goodbye. Which which you know is a bit sad and maybe harsh, but it sums up what we're saying, doesn't it? Like it just it completely out. drifted. And that squad. I mean, I, so I remember writing an article. So it was my first season covering City, and I mean there might have been a bit of a temptation because it, it seems like in the media. I, I would say definitely, even now, well, not even now, like just now and always, if you've got a stronger opinion, the better. You know, if you're going to say something loud or controversial or both or whatever, then then great. And I don't know if I felt there was a need to, but also it, it is, I wrote it because I believed it and I was just done by it. I didn't I didn't go because I was flying to Madrid for the Champions League semi-final. But do you remember there was a game against Southampton, like two or three days before that Madrid game? I think Southampton won four two. Mane hat trick. Really was it? Yeah, Mane Mane got a hat trick for Southampton. Right, okay. City was shit, like terrible, like absolutely awful, and like that sense of drift. You know, it was towards the end of the season. It was probably May, so we knew they weren't going to win the league. Um, any 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 kind of hopes of that? Because I remember doing videos all the way through that first season, going, "Oh, they might not win the league yet, but there's you know, sorry, there's they might have lost today, but there's still plenty of time to go to win the league." You know, I remember thinking, "There's still plenty of quality in this team." You know, I wouldn't say it's off yet, even after that Leicester game. Um, but yeah, by the Southampton one, it was just like, what is going on? Like, what is this squad? And it was obviously the the elephant in the room, or the context at least, was Guardiola coming in. It's like, where are City actually at at this point of, you know, the takeover, the new era and all of this? And I wrote an article just saying, this 
team needs ripping up and starting again. Yeah. So the best thing they've got going for them is the fact that Guardiola's coming in. And I got taken to to one side in Madrid um, by someone who works at City, saying how out of order it was. Um, and, you know, they pointed out, you know, the training ground is, you know, really... And I was like, okay, you're fine. The, the infrastructure's good, fine, but fuck me. <laughs> the point is, the, they the finished- squad... What's going on with the squad? They finished fourth on goal yeah, difference. They, they needed the they needed the win at Swansea on the last game, didn't they? Um, but anyway, I mean, this is this is a full on partridge. Needless to say, I had the last laugh. But when the Marty Perinal book came out, the second one, and it just detailed how towards. In fact, it was that Madrid game, the the nil. Uh, sorry, was it a one nil loss? Away? They lost. They one lost one nil in, in Madrid goal. and nil nil and drew yeah. nil nil at home. Yeah, yeah, in the first leg. Yeah, so. <laughs> In, in that Marty Perrinal book, it says that Pep had watched that Madrid game or like the games around it and decided the squad needed ripping up and he needed like 12 new signings or something. And I was like, fuck, brilliant. Because I remember <laughs> feeling, because I remember my, my match report or the article or whatever from that Madrid game was, oh, it wasn't too bad. Because I remember Aguero had a shot towards the end that kind of landed on the, the top of the net, thinking, well, there was a bit of tension there. They could have done it. And I probably had in my head a bit rattled, like, oh, I should have, you know, maybe I was a bit over the top about this article. Um, and funnily enough, I've been defiant ever since. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Anyway, yeah, Pellegrini, he's not he's not better than Mancini in, in my in my humble opinion. Um, it's, well, de- it's definitely my, an unpopular one, that one, I think. Yeah. Can I can I just can I just go back to why I smiled briefly during one of my old go, ones? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> The other week, was it after the Liverpool game? Or maybe it was after the, I don't think it was after the City game. I don't think it was last week. It must have been a couple of weeks ago. Did you see on Twitter, it was on a Sunday, I think, there was a couple of links about Mancini going to United. Like United won in Mancini. And also I read in a Daniel Taylor article, it was just about managers and whatever. But he said, you know, Mancini would have taken the job at some point in the past, but, you know, now he's fine with Italy or whatever. And I thought, bloody hell, that's a big enough statement in itself. <laughs> and then there was there was reports then in Italy saying Mancini would, would either take it or... Or that he was under consideration from United, and fuck me, like I've I've no interest really in who the next United manager is. I think for the good of that club, they need to change who they've got, which I'm sure everybody would agree with. Obviously, City fans want him to stay for as long as possible, but I think <laughs> the objective view is, you know, they need a better manager. I don't care who it is next. I, I you know, I'm not a United fan. It's like we should get Zidane in, we should get Potts, whatever. Like whoever who, who they appoint is the same to me as who Chelsea appoint by this stage, or or Villa, or Norwich, or whatever. Mancini um, would hurt me. But Mancini I have to say, Mancini, really Mancini to Old Trafford. Oh, it'll fuck me, man! I, it will be so funny, and I, and that is it's and it's not because obviously I dislike you lot who listen, and I dislike my mates who love Pad- um, Mancini. But I, I, it would just be that's it that's, would just be so awkward. It would be mental because like Mancini is ultimately, I think, one of the most loved people at City of all time. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Would he be top five? He's, I'm, if, if, I'm, if I'm being honest, well, he's I more mean, than Pep for a lot of people, he's more than Pep for me. I don't, I like, I, yeah. I, I can really appreciate what Pep's achieved at City. Um, but Mancini was the first. That that's yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. as simple as that. I, like, I and I, I understand. Like, there's there's people older than me who who will listen to the podcast that can remember you know the Mercer Allison years. Yeah. I I never enjoyed that, so I never got to see it. If I had seen it, and that was my first taste of success, I could understand that being that, that being my favorite era as well. Yeah, um, but when we're but, talking about it, it's like Colin Bell, David Silva, yeah, Vincent Company, whoever, Aguero, whatever. I'm sure Mancini's always going to be up there. So just, just the idea of him going to United would just be fucking hilarious. But also yeah. the the idea that he would be open to it seems alien to me. I, it, it seems like that can't be true. But he I mean, fell out with a lot of people. Off, so. He fell out oh, with a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> of it's probably a bit like the Sancho thing, isn't it? It's like, well, yeah. 
I'll, I'll show you kind of thing. But yeah, yeah. Uh, just uh, just on the other part of that as well, because uh, Matt Lockley, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, got in touch to say uh, no matter how good he was, Tevez should never have come near a City shirt again after Munich away, and his time with us should be tarred by it happening. Uh, however, Cam twenty seven ninety three says Tevez was ultimately an average signing and didn't do enough to deserve forgiveness for Munich and that golfing holiday in Argentina. This is funny one. So um, I didn't realize those these opinions existed. Well, like I, I thought, I, I honestly thought City fans had forgiven Tevez because he came back. Yeah. City won the league. They, he, he, he didn't, he didn't have, he didn't score any particularly crucial goals, but he did score some goals in the running and was and was a good player in the running and and and. and yeah, he never really gets mentioned now, does he? Um, and then the next season, okay, it was kind of agreed probably at the start of the season that he was going to move at the end of it, but he, you know, he, he had a good final season with City. Um, I thought. Uh, I, I thought everything had kind of blown over with that, but uh, yeah. there's, a, there's a couple of people never forgiven him. Well, I mean, it's funny, and I'll, not every not every topic is going to be a ten minute discussion because we'll be here all day. Um, but I remember again, I, I, this probably was a bit of me having kind of United goggles on when I came into the job, in the sense that I never, I mean, I never had a problem with Tevez left United, and I, I was at that four three game, the Michael Owen one, when Old Trafford was just a cauldron of like anti Tevez songs. I felt like, honestly, at the time, I felt like the only United fan in that ground with no no ill feeling towards Tevez whatsoever. I felt like a good time for it to come to an end. Okay, go to City, but it was clearly clearly going there for a reason. I don't remember ever thinking, oh, he's going there for the money or whatever. So I can't have been that, um, I can't have been that bad of a United fan, for want of a better <laughs> phrase. Um, but I remember speaking to maybe it was just Mike, maybe it's just Mike, and I've based on my City fans' opinions off Mike. But I remember we were talking about Tevez years ago, and I was just like, how... How can you? How can you idolise him so much? He took the piss, like, and the and the golf the golf celebration when he I came love, back. I love. He's a full. Uh, yeah, but I, I was genuinely surprised. I was. Like, He's taking the piss out of you here, and I, I would. I would again. Maybe this is my United goggles, or I mean, to be fair, even thinking about it, it's like you didn't turn up for weeks and weeks and weeks and play golf, and then you come back and score and do a golf celebration. It, that to me just seems weird, and it still does now. But Mike was just saying, "I oh, just lighten up." It was a joke. Yeah, I took it as a fan's opinions to be on it. I took it as a joke, and I was like, "Ah, oh, it's just—it's almost like a bit of contrition." I've been a dickhead. Is why I've been a dickhead. All right, I've come back and scored three. Here you go. Yeah, he's a fascinating character, Tevez. Um, I, I'm trying to think. Maybe there's a bit of ill ill will lingering on because, like, no, like, I, I can't imagine as far as we've got, anybody's going to say, I, I, I never really got David Silva. Or I don't really like David. I, you know, Aguero, David Silva, company, these guys who left, I don't think there's ever going to be um, left on a high or whatever, left with love intact. I don't think there's ever going to be unpopular opinions about them. Yeah, yeah. But with, with someone like Torre, who kind of tarnishes legacy a bit um, with the off the field stuff and, you know, not being around so much in the last couple of seasons. Um, and I suppose, Sane, obviously not seeing the same legend status, but the way Sane left, I'm sure it's easier, I think, to say, I'm not sure about this, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. And I think with well, Tevez, there's a reason he's kind of not as, you know, there's there's a reason there are unpopular opinions about um, Tevez, Torre, Sane. And funnily enough, I imagine we can move on to some of those now. Well, let's move on to Joel MCFC, uh, who says, uh, we tend to overrate Sane's time at City. Um, yes, this is this is a funny one. I mean, have you got any thoughts off this, off the, off the top of your head? Um, I am almost inclined to like my my gut instinct was to disagree with this quite strongly. Um, but the more I think about it, and the more that that thought kind of festers in my head, I I kind of I can see where he's coming from because his first season he was new to the league and he was getting used to things. Okay, we can you accept that you write it off. His second season, the Centurions year, he was he was phenomenal. He that that front three. I, I, yeah, that front three, Sane, um, Aguero, Sterling, fantastic. Loved it to bits. The next season, he wasn't, he wasn't, he, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't picked for the World Cup. And then that, um, that, that next season, I was like, okay, he comes back this year and he shows, he shows, um, who was the Germany manager at the time? It was, uh, Joachim Love. Yeah. 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 Um, he, he shows him what he can do in the Premier League. And then he barely started. And I was like, oh, this is a bit odd. What's going on here? And then the running for like he scored that goal against Liverpool in that um in that really yeah, tight two one win. Yeah. 
Um, and then he barely played for the running. And I was yeah. like, "What's like, what's what's going on here?" And then he was injured, and then he he left. And I was like, yeah, okay. "Well, he would have left. He would have left that summer, and then obviously got injured in the Community Shield." So yeah, it's mad. Um, it's it's funny though because in terms of overrate, I think it's because there's there's ultimately a disconnect, and there's just basically two broad types of people, I suppose, in terms of watching football. It's the ones who've fully, you know, you can break it down and you can look at. Um, what it contributed over those, let's just say the three seasons, because the fourth was a write-off, and then he left. Um, or you just remember the magic, and like for eighteen months, you know, let's say second half of his first season when he started to get it, you were like, hold on, there's a player here, and then yeah. it was phenomenal in the hundred point season, and then in eighteen nineteen, I don't think, I mean. I, I probably had a good idea because I remember writing the stories about how he's left out of the squad for this and you can read between the lines of what Pep was saying. You know, you said, show um, Yogi Love about getting into the Germany squad. He was one of the few City players not to be in a World Cup squad. So he was back and it was, you know, when you ask Pep a question, thinking, it was basically you invite him to praise somebody. Yeah. And then he, and then he comes back with, oh, actually, he's a wanker. It was basically... It was basically that. I didn't go on the preseason tour, but there was a few questions about, well, Sane is one of the few City players here who's senior. You know, it could be a great start to the season for him. And every pep answer was, well, he's got a lot to work on. He's got to do this. He's got to do that. And then it was like start of September. He was left out of a squad for a Newcastle game because of like attitude and performances and stuff. And then, like you say, by the end of the season. So like, if, you, if you're kind of close to the dressing room and what's going on, you can hear it. But obviously, as a fan, you don't want to hear it so much and you, you're you more inclined to believe it's um, it's just rumours or whatever or just, just lies or whatever. Um, and you, you're still thinking, we need to get this guy on. You know, this was obviously a time with Mares coming in and he, he didn't hit the ground running and people would have been saying, we should be playing Sane. And, you know, and every, every game, yeah. Every, Sane, every game was a really tight right game as well. Yeah, and it's like I can see why you, why you would from the outside still love Sane and want him to play because he was so good for the eighteen months before that. So I can see why like people look back on him so fondly, and I, I can see why loads of people because you don't really take into account the granular details. You just think he's a great player; he should still be at City. And he's given a few interviews recently, hasn't he? When he's he's praised Pep and his development and that kind of thing. And I'm sure people have just thought, "Oh, it's a big misunderstanding; he should have stayed." But th- I mean, there's basically there are two ways of looking at it, and one is. He was great and he did some great things. And the other one is over the course of the, the three seasons or the four, it was a bit of a letdown. And I think both both can be true. But yeah. it's, it's funny, actually, when I was writing the article about Grealish recently, and the main point was, what's the point in judging him now? Every single City winger has taken time to adapt. Um, and all these examples, and it was like, I remember people saying, shouldn't have bought Sane. We didn't need to spend that forty million on him because we got problems at the back. Because obviously they hadn't signed Laporte because Laporte changed his mind and didn't join. So like we should have spent that money on the centre back. And it's the same thing now with Grealish. Like we should have spent it on a, on a striker or on a left back or whatever. But like it's irrelevant because there was the money there, but the signings didn't come off. Like and then obviously Sane the year after got Young Player of the Year. And Sterling struggled in his first year under Pep, although it wasn't his first year at City. And then he got what twenty five odd goals in his second yeah. season, and he was great. Um, Bernardo Silva, okay, he got moved to a midfielder, but much better in second season, and and all this kind of thing. But and I was uh, that was my point. But now I was looking at it, and I was like, Sane went off the boil after that and left. Mares was the same, you know, quite for the first season, and then great afterwards, and then great last season. Now he can't get in the team. Um, Bernardo had that great season, and then had a bad season, and now he's back in the team as a midfielder. Sterling is now. He's going through a dip. Probably the Sane route. Yeah, a long, it's been a long dip as well. <laughs> and I don't know if I'm getting towards an unpopular opinion here, but I'm like, all of these wingers who have to, have been really good, they've gone off the boil again. Like, all of them. Very strange. Very strange. Um, it, it's and it's something I'm thinking of, and it's probably an article I'm going to do when I'm back, and I'll ask Pep about it, and he'll say I'm talking bollocks, but I'll probably do it anyway. It was something I put in the Grealish article, um, and I cut it out, I think, for space. And I, but I put it on Twitter. I think the way we're judging wingers now is kind of outdated. Because, you know, you wouldn't expect the false nine to score as many as Aguero because they're doing a different thing. And I think it's basically the same. Are, are we looking at false wingers now? You know, you're not looking at Grealish and wanting him to do what Sane did or Pep's yeah. not. You're not looking at Jesus and wanting him to do what Mahrez did. It's, they're not taking men on. They're not running in behind. You know, the false nine 
is yeah, you know, when Foden does it, when others do it, they they do make runs off the shoulder. But there's a lot of dropping deep, linking up, getting on the ball, playing in behind, getting back into the box. Different type of game than Aguero, and I, I think part of the reason Grealish is is playing so often, other than the fact that he is doing pretty well generally. Pep doesn't want someone. You know, there will be a time when he needs to go at his man more and beat his man more. But you know what I, I've been saying? Even after the first couple of weeks, I was like, get him a bit more, make something happen. But what I was saying last week about Foden in the derby, maybe that's not what Pep wants. Maybe he wants him to drop deep, basically be another midfielder. That's, again, one of the reasons Grealish came in because he can be a midfielder. He's he's also seen as a number eight, or he was a number 10 at Villa, but more of a number eight at City. And Jesus isn't quite the same. But in terms of his work rate and his pressing and stuff, that's not what you get from Mara. It's not what you got from from Sane. And then and then you start thinking, is this where Sterling's going wrong? Yeah. Is, is he got different demands? But obviously Sterling, it's, it's a bit of chicken egg, and egg, and I need to look into it a bit. But Sterling is very frustrating. You know, just the amount of times he just runs in the box and he's got a chance and he doesn't even get a shot off and you know loses the ball or whatever. Uh, I don't know if that's just because he's gone off the boil or because... The role's slightly different now. Uh, it, it, it's very interesting. I think we might be in a kind of false winger phase yeah. for City. But I, it's a theory I've thought of the last couple of days, and I'll, I'll check it out properly. And like I say, I'll ask Pep, but it's an interesting one, that. You reminded me, just before we move on to uh, the next one, you you reminded me in uh, that answer then um, about, you know, when you were saying about Sane, I, uh, Pep uh, being asked questions about Sane and uh, him Basically, being invited to say nice things and not taking the opportunity. Uh, that four-two defeat you mentioned uh, at Southampton uh, in Pellegrini's final season. Um, it was uh, Jonathan Smith uh, who asked uh, Pellegrini at the end of that game because I, I think he and Acho had scored two goals. And the, the entire th- the entire press conference was just negative, 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 negative. Uh, and I remember hearing the audio back at the time. I was working at a radio station where we used to play the uh, the press conference audio out in a in a city show. And I remember uh, editing it. And, and John's was the last question. And he basically he, he basically said uh, I can't remember what the question was, but it was basically an opportunity for Pellegrini to say something good at the end of the press conference. Um, <laughs> By by say he said something like uh, I, I, thoughts on Kalecci. I thought he did quite well today. Um, and Pellegrini uh, said something like, um, "No, he needs to do more. The team needs to do better." Stood up and left. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean that was Pellegrini all over. He was torture, wasn't he? Um, and that press conference when he left as well. Ironically, I think people at City. I say I think people at City would have wanted us to ask about his his future. You know, when that press conference on the transfer deadline day, it, yeah. I think it was like February the first. Um, it was because again, our friend John Smith. Uh, I'm not. I'm not digging him out here, but uh, his his Twitter feed from that day is fantastic because he's not taking it down. It says uh, it's a photograph of the press conference room, um, and he says uh, at City for the press conference on transfer deadline day. No big news expected. Yeah, <laughs> and well, then, yeah. The next, then the next tweet is uh, Pep Guardiola to manage Manchester City for the next season. <laughs> Yeah, fuck, unbelievable. Um, I mean, it was a mad day. We could probably do that in another podcast uh, for, for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, I think I think people at City would have liked a question prompted to him about his future. But because we'd spent like six months going, oh yeah, what, and what about your future? And, and like he, he always straight batted it. He always said no comment to any to anything. So even transfer news or or whatever, he never answered anyway. So you kind of think, well, what's the point? But also you think, can't keep asking the man, you know. Um, but ironically, yeah, nobody asked that day because for whatever reason, just thought, what's the point? We'll give him a break. And then that led to the fact that he was halfway out of the room and had to turn back and he was like, oh, yeah, uh, by the way, mad I'm day. off. Um, yeah. A mad day, a mad day. Yeah. Um, next unpopular opinion comes from uh, John Ashley, who says, Edin Dzeko would have been the best signing for City in the summer. Uh, before you answer that, I Sam, uh, yeah. because uh, Goethe's Motors uh, and uh, the same sentiment has <laughs> come in from uh, Sebastian Alston. Uh, Goethe's Motors said, uh, Dzeko was never as good as anyone remembers him to be. <laughs> I, I don't remember. I, I remember thinking there's a bit of rose-tinted glasses about Dzeko's time. It's probably one of the, it's probably the same thing as Sane, because it, when he was great, he was great. I'd imagine if I'd done any research, if you looked at the numbers, they probably didn't set the world alight. He wasn't and I bad. Seem to remember his. Oh, okay. I don't oh, think I, mean, he, I don't I think he was, was bad. The the final season um, was. Did like, he go in January? Uh, no, he went in. He went in the summer of. Um, he signed uh, in January. Oh, yeah, he went. He went in the summer of fourteen fifteen. Um, it was a proper cloud, though, wasn't it? It was just like. 
this this isn't working out. Let him go. Yeah, his 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 final season was. Uh, I hesitate to say the word woeful, uh, but it was it was a it was a catastrophe of uh, like he, he scored something like three goals in the league all season, and two of them came in one game against Hull right at the start. Um, and I like it, it just it, it was like he had checked out in the summer before. And the frustrating part about it was that he like Aguero got injured in the title running the year before. Um, and Jacko stepped up to, up to the plate and 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 scored the goals that City needed in that running. Um, mm. So like for it to just peter out the way it did, and then they bought. Yeah. Well, I, I think it is the same as Sane, isn't it? Yeah, I think that the way they the way they brought in Wilfred Bonny as well, and that just that was oh, January. Yeah, that was that January. Yeah, it uh, um, just never works yeah. out. But I I I don't know. The if, thing is, the thing is with Jacko, if I'd have been covering the club at the time, or or at least you know. I'd, I'd have probably had something to say about in terms of like the Sane thing. You know, it wasn't this behind the scenes. It was, this was going on or like the Mancini thing. Um, I'd, yeah, there must have been something. You know, the, the way you said he checked out, the way you say, you know, it, it just kind of, it, it, it petered out. All these kind of things and how he was great the season before and he didn't keep it going. I mean, either that's the difference between, you know, great strikers like Aquero who do keep it going or something went on and he wasn't happy. Uh, or, you know, going back and tying into the Pellegrini thing. Yeah. And how, you know, things kind of drifted. You know, it could be any number of reasons. I don't really know. Um, but, I mean, again, it's the same thing, isn't it? You can remember how good he was or you can remember kind of how it ended and just think a bit disappointing. And, again, it comes down to what type of person you are. And I think it's, it's fundamentally glass half full or half empty, I suppose. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in a weird position on this one, actually, though, I reckon, because uh, I, I loved him at City. I wouldn't have brought him back uh, last summer, as was suggested there. Um, but I also think it was the right time that he left. So I think it was kind of all worked out right in the end. Um, and that's that's probably about as well as you can ask for, really. Um, Stuart Carroll um, uh, has been in touch. Uh, same as uh, Andy Grant. Uh, King Cladsey was never as good as anyone remembered either. Um this well, one, th- 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 there's a few people here who will who may even you know immediately you know double tap the home button and swipe the app closed at that thought um which like i I'm, <laughs> i think we'd have done it before that well yeah but i'm 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 inclined to agree i uh i i i think King Cladsey was a luxury player that city had at the time um who I think I basically I think Joe Royal was right to look at the team and go we need we need hard workers in here to get us out of this mess and King Cladsey's not that. Um, yeah, possibly, but again, it's kind of entertainment versus reality sometimes, isn't it? And the best players have got both, and you either you either um, kind of tend towards the entertainment and the good times, or you look at it a bit more coldly and say. Yeah, wasn't actually what we needed. Um, so again, I, I can see both sides of it. Uh, I don't remember King Cladsey hugely. Um, I guess if I was to venture some kind of thoughts on it, it would be easy to stand out at that point because everybody always says City had terrible teams around then. So, you know, uh, there's there's also that element, isn't there? Like you yeah, put, you, la- you latch onto the players player, that, that... You put a flair well. player in that who lights up your weekend and saves you from having to, you know, barrack your own players. A bit of bit of a beam of light, then you're obviously going to gravitate towards that. But yeah, I suppose it's easy with time to look back and say, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it's, it is difficult, isn't it? Because there's so many players like that that are so good, but ultimately not the best for a reason. You know, it's because the goals, then the goals and the skills and stuff, they're not ultimately worth other indulgences. And if the team's not set up to bail you out then you're going to be costing your team at some point. It's like you say in terms of Joe Royal. You know, there's not necessarily um, only two options. It's not Keegan indulging him and that being the issue and then Royal fixing it by getting rid of him. There's a manager in the middle who knows how to put him in a team and into a system and it works. Now, I don't know who that would have been 20 years ago. But you you say that easily about players now and you just think, well, no, they they just need to be put into a system that works. 
Yeah, but just to just to kind of look at that the other way around, it's actually Keegan after Royal, so it would have been it wouldn't even been a, <laughs> been a manager as good oh, as Kevin oh. Keegan to to, to uh, look at uh, at King Clancy. He, well. King, King, King Clancy was managed by uh, Frank Clark. He was managed by uh, Alan Ball. Yeah, because it was um, more nineties, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, just like there's very very briefly Steve Koppel. None of them got the best out of him. Was I, there I really suspect, a good goal against Southampton? That there was. In my mind. Yeah, yeah, there was. That was it. it was and. I'm willing to accept that it was a fantastic goal. Maybe had King Cladsey been managed by Kevin Keegan, it could have been a different story. That's uh, that, that's right. That's uh, that, yeah. That, but like that, you say, managed by Alan Ball. Th- those kind of times, you know, you, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna have fond memories of anybody who made it a bit better, aren't you? So <laughs> I, 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 I get I get why. But also, it, yeah, the, the truth probably was he wasn't that good, but it, it was certainly a, a breath of fresh air. Yeah, and also, but, you know, certainly did have quality, but. Obviously, yeah. not the ability that's going to make you a top Premier League player doing it consistently and, yeah, being a net positive. But there we go. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's rattle through some more, Sam. Uh, Luke Wilkinson, uh, Stephen Ireland should have stayed longer uh, than a greater than sign and Milner. Yeah, well, that's another Mancini thing, isn't it? But so then again, it depends on your man- on your opinion of Mancini. You know, um, was he too harsh on people? A lot of people would say yes. Or you know, did he only pick players who were ready mentally and physically and tactically and whatever to to win trophies? And some would say yes as well. Um, yeah. But I mean, again, it's the same kind of thing, isn't it? Everyone loves Stevie Ireland. You know, so good, so technically brilliant. Humble break time. Uh, Stephen Ireland, greatest player I've ever seen play with me in a team. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Nadam will be livid. Um, (laughs) Nadam's the second best player. So, I mean, like, all right. Emu Husky third? Yeah, funnily enough, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Um, But yes, I I know, yes. Um, It's it's the same thing with Stevie, isn't it? Brilliant player. Um, but again, it's also a bit harsh because, like I said with King Cladsey, if you'd found a manager that could probably put him into a team in a proper system or, you know, got the best out of him in a different way, then it, it would have worked. And with Stevie, I don't think we'll ever really know. Yeah. Um, just because of how the City thing ended and then certainly how he talks about the the Villa move and the Newcastle loan move and all this kind of thing. Um, just um, it all just unraveled really quickly, which is, which is a shame. You see it so often with a with a top player like that. But I'm sure in an ideal world, every City fan would have wanted him to stay longer and been part of that success because fucking hell, it was great. Yeah. It was technically fantastic. And great fun as well. Um, while while I am absolutely trashing my reputation on players that City fans idolise, uh, Mike says, Alano, excluding the Newcastle and Hamburg home games, was bang average at best and a liability at worst. Um, and I know, I know there's people listening to this that will hate me for this, but, uh, I can see more of Mike's side than I can see of the Alano is great side. Uh, I mean, no, I can't say the same thing about a different player, but it's the same thing, isn't it? (laughs) You know, not the city were terrible at that time, but, um, but you know, he was, he had a bit of flair about him, scored some great goals. Um, and again, I can see why people would love that. And I can, I can see why some people look back and think. He wasn't at, it at all. You know, the whole team wasn't or whatever. So yeah. I, I really can't lay Appre- that same point again. I hope I've made it well enough the first five times. Yeah, appreciate that he worked hard when he, he came into the team at right back and was played out of position for those few games under Sven. But on, I think on the whole, um, disappeared too much for me, I'm afraid. Sorry, City fans. Um, Peter Thornton says, Kevin De Bruyne is good, but nowhere near Yaya in big matches. Interesting because I saw something recently. Oh, who was Who would it have been? Is that Foden now got the same amount of Champions League goals as Yaya or something? Oh, that's a shout. I don't know. I've missed this. It's something like that. But if it's not Foden, it's Mares. 
or I don't know, somebody like that, um, who you wouldn't necessarily expect. But then you just think, in terms of big games, and I know I've always made this case in the past, so I, you don't you don't need to tell me in terms of Yaya's um, impact in those big games, obviously the semi-finals, the final, you know, the FA Cup, all that, all that start kind of stuff. Um, the winner Palace after the Gerrard slip and the, the goal at Newcastle, all of that, I know that. But in the in the Champions League, it was never really happening, was it? So I think that might be a bit harsh. And I think De Bruyne is very good in big games. I, 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 look, I, I don't think he's ever... Um, I don't think he's had too many where he's been, fucking. you know, this guy's unbelievable, unbelievable. Like, he's just, he's, I don't think he's let City down too often. Can't think of any memorable stinkers really, in big games. From no, I don't remember it ever, ever really being said that. Oh, you know, he's, you know, I don't even remember it even being a narrative for opposition fans that oh, this guy goes missing. He's supposed to be this, or he's supposed to be that. But this is another big game where he did nothing. I, um, no, I think he's 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 often played quite well. Um, so I don't think he's I, he might not have been amazing in every big game, but certainly I don't think he's been anywhere near bad enough or a letdown in big games for it to be a. I, think, debate. So I guess this yeah. is a great unpopular opinion, isn't it? Because yeah. um, I think, because it certainly is unpopular. I don't think Yaya <laughs> was, that, was that big, a big game player overall, if we're talking Champions League, and generally we are. And I don't think Foden, uh, I don't think De Bruyne uh, has got that bad a record. Yeah. Although uh, Yaya's big game um, appearances, in, like Wembley was his second home. So I can kind of. I yeah, can, yeah, no, I, I get I can, that. Like, yeah. like I say, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need a reminder of that for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I say, like I say, Champions League, it would never really happen, did it? But then again, at that stage, it didn't really happen for anybody, did it? In yeah, the, true. In the IR's peak years. Yeah. Uh, Quicksilver says, uh, the pathway from youth to first 11 is non-existent. Foden was an exception. We can't find good enough loan clubs for them. Girona, lol. Can't play them for the first team. Huge squad, no experience. And can't sell them either. Players that can be developed get lost in the mix. Uh, well, I mean, in terms of the loans, I think City do quite well in in terms of picking the right loans for people. Um, like, yeah, but if players if players go out on loan, they don't tend to come back, do they? No, maybe uh, maybe, I, maybe this next generation is the difference. Loans, actually, yeah, possibly. But in terms of picking those loans, I think they are pretty good. So, you know, there's Callum Doyle at Sunderland. You know, big club in 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 League One, um, expected to come up, have the ball a lot. So you know, kind of plays to his strength. So I think he's what seventeen, maybe he's turned eighteen in the last month or so. Um, it's, it's certainly had the opportunity to play a lot. Whereas I think I know there has been a comparison with United. I think there's a player called Fish at United, and they loaned him to Stockport. I think he didn't play. And it's like much worse standard, different style, doesn't play. You know, I think I think City's loans. Doyle going to the second tier in Germany was interesting, but also again a similar thing. You know, Hamburg. Big club, big crowd, big expectations. Expected to challenge, expected to have the ball. So you know, there's there's that element to it. Um, I guess with Harwood Bellis, you're playing for company. It's a very similar style, the way they play. It's a young style. A young young players play the ball out from the back. So that so that those are the opportunities. So in terms of picking the loans, yeah, I mean the Girona loans have generally been quite poor. Um, but I think that, uh, yeah, I think the loans are okay. But in terms of the, the pathway to the first team, like like the like the the point says itself, and I've always made this point myself. It kind of depends on your viewpoint. Like you can you can make a big deal about it and say, oh, it's terrible. There's no there's no pathway and sit here this and that for the youth and whatever. Or you can just look at it and go, here's why it is. As and as 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 the point says, there's so much quality and experience you know city's policy is to have 15 16 full internationals maybe even more two internationals for every position to keep that competitive balance it's almost impossible for a 17 18 year old to be good enough to get that so you could also argue that i know the point's been made here that foden's the exception but now palmer's played an awful lot recently palmer's getting a lot of chances and i think to get to have someone as good as foden come through you could say it's an exemption. You can also say it's an unbelievable achievement of the academy to have somebody who was 18, 19 able to perform at that level. And I think it's similar with Palmer now. Yeah. And it may well be similar with others. But yeah, at the same time, in terms of the pathway, it's very, very difficult. But at the same time, if it was easier, City wouldn't be as good as they are. And I've made this point before. 
United have brought through a lot of young players. Chelsea did in the last few years. But if you look at why, it's massive gaps in the squad. Like Chelsea had the youth ban, so the, well, sorry, the transfer ban, and they had the youth ban before that. Um, they had the transfer ban, so they brought in the young players, and then you know Abraham's gone anyway. Tomori's gone. Um, make, makes Mountain in the first team, absolutely fair enough. But it's not like there's anything out of the ordinary happening there. Um, Rhys James is another good one, but again, they produce so many good right backs. Got Livramento and Lamptey out at Southampton and Brighton. Just because there's just no space. And like yeah. ultimately, if there's no space, there's no space. Like if you're produ- producing good players, they have to go somewhere. And if there's no space for them, then where are they going to go? And, you know, United with Rashford, Rashford got his chance because like every striker got injured and then he, you know, he got pulled out of the, the crowd for the warm up for the game that he did come through. And, you know, Van Hal brought through a load of players who were like just like nowhere near at Premier League now. Um, you know, Brandon Williams now out on loan. Um, there's opportunities for players at these teams because the squad's not that good. And so, I mean, would you want City squad to be weaker to have more kids come through? Possibly. In an ideal world, that sounds great. But I'm telling you, when Pep goes, if if the quality drops for whatever reason and there's more youth um, players in the team, but City are losing two games out of five and they're third or fourth, the conversations we're going to be having is what's going wrong? Is this whoever the new manager is? Is he up to it? You know, why haven't they bought better? Did, did we not appreciate Pep? Did they, should they not have bought better? Are these players up to it? You know, that reality is going to be very mundane, you know, talking about it being hard work for City fans now and, you know, talking about the media, looking at things in granular detail and every week us doing a podcast. If City are struggling a bit after Pep goes, which I believe they will, which may be an unpopular opinion, may not be, um, that kind of transition, even to being third or fourth for a season, if that's as bad as it gets, that's going to be, you know, that, that that won't be fun to go through. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, the ideal scenario is it carries on or somebody comes in and plays a load of kids and the kids are amazing and City carry on winning the title. I suppose that's possible, but we'll see how it goes. Let's fly through some uh, striker opinions, Sam, because if Jekka wasn't the answer, uh, Ryan Dale says, uh, I'd still take Kane over Haaland. Um, which I think is, I think that does qualify as an unpopular opinion, whether or not it's right. Um, yeah, and yeah. Uh, Chris Booth uh, says City should be looking to re-sign Kalecha Iheanacho. Game has evolved, and he really is a clinical finisher. I get that. I get that. And in terms of like the style of players and data and stuff, whenever I've looked, because I did an article last Christmas trying to like identify a style of player that City could sign if it wasn't Mbappe or Haaland. And kind of applied the the jobs they do, how they do it, the jobs Aguero does, and all the kind of thing. And one of the best matches always was Ianacho. So in terms of like pressing and use of the ball, like link up play, um, you know positions they occupy, like Ianacho is very similar to those. Um, Isaac is another one, the the Swedish lad. He was very good at the Euros. I think he's a Real Sociedad, um, and he's quite similar to Mbappe in terms of how he plays as well, in terms of dribbling and stuff. But yeah, Ian Acho is of a very similar mould. And also, you know, there's some players on that list, like Kasper Dolberg, who's, you know, similar to Haaland in terms of, you know, style. But you wouldn't you wouldn't ever say quality-wise. And look, with Ian Acho, you wouldn't ever say quality-wise. But he's done well enough at Leicester, I think, to look and go, he's been all right, you know. Very sharp finisher. Um, scores goals from outside the box as well. Knows what City want. Um, you know, you went back to what Pellegrini said about him. I don't think Pep was ever really having him either, to be honest. Um, and, you know, it's, he's probably never is going to come back and pro- quite most likely not under Pep. But I, I don't th- I don't think that's too unpopular an opinion. I, I, I could I could certainly see the logic it. in it. Maybe ultimately he wouldn't be good enough, but I could definitely see the logic in it. Yeah. Um, let's go with uh, this from Sam as well. Uh, this is quite harsh, but Stone's got a bit too much praise for that clearance in eighteen nineteen against Liverpool at home. It was his <laughs> mistake that led to yeah, the ball almost going in, and he should have left the ball for Edison to clean up once it came off the post. Yeah, I agree. You always see a load of replays of this, and it's always just him clearing it off the line, and it's not what happened before. Um, and again, we've talked about this a million times, but things happen so quickly, your mind's working even quicker, and you just think, oh, fuck me, what have you done? Because obviously it was such a big game as well. You just think, what have you done? And then he obviously rescued it. But yeah, I, I know what he says. Maybe it's a bit harsh because ultimately... Do you know, what, do you know why I think it's harsh? It was wasn't it? But, yeah, um, do you know why I think it's harsh? I think I think you have to sometimes hold your hands up and say... Um, you, you know when, you, when people say that sometimes the best thing is to hold your hands up and say, I fucked up. 
Well, yeah. in in that situation there, uh, Stones is like he's, he, he's, he's trying his best, but the 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 solution is so good to the problem that he created that you kind of go fair play, fair play, mate. Well, it is so good, isn't it? Because yeah. there's you know there's those um, the goal on technology pictures that people still use now to prove how close it was you know the title in that year and liverpool going unbeaten and whatever what was the other one was it aguero's goal at burnley aguero was, burnley it? yeah uh god that was god that was enough again talking about being stressful to be a city fan and this the end of that season was fucking horrific wasn't it people will always go oh what see but i remember no, talking awful, about yeah. to people at city at the time and just fans i was like people in future years will say oh you know what a great end to the season i mean look it was i mean that day at brighton so many people had such great days um but it was torture, wasn't it? Those last few months, and it was months as well, wasn't it? Like just watching Liverpool, thinking, "Oh, they might drop points here," and then they, they'd, they'd win, and you know, often they'd win. But you'd think that was offside, or that should never have been a free kick, or that they got lucky there. God, it was torture. It was absolutely torture, and horrific. And yeah, um, that was that 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 Burnley game a- again. It was one of those where City played way more cagely than they should have because I don't think they wanted to risk ever giving a goal away. So they just thought it's the same kind of way they're playing now. Don't try and give a goal away at all, and if we can win one nil, one nil, we will do. And and the problem was you ended up having tight games like that, where the Aguero one just just squeaked over the line. But yeah, yeah, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, two. I, I'm conscious that we're nearly at the hour mark here, Sam, and people <laughs> will be uh, will be tearing yeah. the hair out at some of the crap that we've uh, that we've agreed with and disagreed yeah. with. Um, so let's finish on uh, on two notes. Jimmy says the Poznan is kind of lame. See, again, if people thought I was a United fan that could just poke fun at City, I could go for it. I, I, I think, look, it's one of those things where, look, it's called the Poznan. It's literally named after another club, so obviously you've nicked it. But look, these fan culture things are nicked or, or, or appropriated all the time. And just the fact that this one happened in the last 15 years or so, fine. Um, I don't think it's kind of lame. I think it's now, although it's called the Poznan, I think it's identifiable with City. And it went away for a few years and it, it came back at Old Trafford. And I think it came back at a few other games recently that I've been watching from afar. And I think, fair play. You know, it's a City thing now. It jumped um, the shark. It, it, it jumped the shark. Do you think? Yeah, oh, it, it jumped yeah. the shark, so that's why it went away. But now yeah. it's come back. Uh, yeah. it, def- it, it definitely jumped the shot the moment that uh, the club themselves started making t-shirts with how to do it on that's well, the moment yeah, it jumped but, the shark yeah but you know that's football clubs are a bit like your auntie aren't they they realise you've got one interest and then they just buy you a Christmas present related <laughs> to that interest for the rest of your life And but obviously City just sell it for 50 quid in the in the mega store so yeah there we go. Uh, final one, Sam. Um, uh, I don't know how this affects you because uh, I have experienced this in the press box and I have experienced this outside the press box as well. Uh, Dickie Bitters says the Wi-Fi at the Etihad is excellent. I mean, I didn't realise that was an unpopular opinion. Um, I, I use it sometimes when the, the press ones are, are playing around and it, it does the job. Um, I, like I say, we've reached the hour mark now. The other one I kind of wanted to put forward is does City need better songs? Like there's a lot of there's oh, a lot you've, of, left that, you've left that for the hour. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of classic songs I get, and there's a lot of songs that you know like it should have been ten. You know that's a classic, and you know never felt more like singing the blues again. Ah, like, ah that, here's, that's here's, great. Well, here's Go an on. unpopular opinion of mine on that one. You don't like that one. Um, I don't like that one when uh, City fans sing it before United have played. Oh right, okay. Because um, the, the the song is you know never felt yeah, more like singing yeah. the Blue City when United lose. It can you can only be true once yeah, you when, know the yeah. United result. You can't you can't preempt the United defeat because it doesn't work like that. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, okay. That that that's tied in quite quite well. But th- that those and Blue Moon they're they're quite good. But I mean it like. There's a lot of songs, I guess this is the same of any club, but there's a lot of songs you don't really hear in the stadium. You only really hear from one table at a, at a pub in Hamburg for an away game. Um, but like the John Stone song, that's good, but you don't really hear that at the stadium. The Bernardo song's good, um, and it's one of those where you, you, you cover a game. In my in my case, I cover a game, and then for the next couple of days, I'm just I'm in the shower going, Bernardo, and it's just stuck <laughs> in my head. That's good, but I feel like, I don't know, like Foden should have a song. The Sterling song, Sterling Top of the League, I get the context of how it came about. And I guess no one's really singing his name at the minute anyway, but I feel like it is a proper song. And, you know, there was a whole season when he wasn't top of the league and he still deserved a song um, and he couldn't, it couldn't be sung. Um, even now you couldn't sing it. 
if you you know if Sterling scored a hat trick in the next game, you couldn't sing it because it's City on top. Yeah, um, I, I feel like there's a there's a City need their own Pete Boyle. Is, is what there's your, <laughs> no, definitely not. But I feel like there could be a few better songs. Like there's um, some of the older ones. They do a lot of the legwork. Well, if you uh, if you've got any ideas, let us know. Tweet us and uh, and suggest your better songs. That Foden's uh, can't be. He's one of our own. You know that that you can't be using that template for someone who does Foden. He's too good for that. He's too good for that. Um, I think we better end it there, Sam. Before uh, the b- b- before the baying mob comes to uh, well, comes around to our house. Yeah. Uh, um, if I do, then I'll just mention them on on the next one. When, when's the next one going to be? Everton uh, the weekend. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. So when we talk about the nil nil draw, we'll go on to popular <laughs> opinion. Excellent. Uh, as we say, that brings us to the end of this episode of Why Always Us. Thank you very much, Sam Lee. Yeah. Cheers. That was that that went very well. Good fun. Uh, don't forget, you can sign up to the Athletic right now with a thirty three percent discount. Just use the code Man City Pod. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.